Think you hate marketing? Think again. Here on the Marketing Chat Podcast, I share practical, relatable tips to make marketing easy and fun. I'm Kelly, a marketing strategist, Squarespace website designer, and founder of the Women Podcasters Academy. I'll be breaking down big ideas into actionable steps so you can get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Today's episode is brought to you by the Women Podcasters Academy. The Academy features a full course and supportive community to help you start and grow your own podcast. You can find more information at womenpodcastersacademy.com. Welcome. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Amanda Kramer about digital course creation, and she goes by Mandy. Mandy is an educator and instructional designer who has formal training on creating impactful and engaging learning experiences, both online and in person. Since the pandemic started, most of her career has shifted from in-person learning and workshops to virtual learning and online course creation. Mandy specializes in creating quality courses quickly for her clients, as well as supplemental learning activities, such as workbooks and infographics to help make the learning experience more valuable. Mandy lives in Michigan with her high school sweetheart and is a mom to a fun and energetic toddler, as well as four animals, all except one named after mountains. I've got to hear those names. (laughs) Welcome, Mandy. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I love mountains. And so the one animal is a cat who is rusty. He's the one that is not after a mountain because I didn't visit mountains before having him. And then after... Figuring out that how much I love mountains. I lived in Japan for a year, so that's where I got introduced to them. And mm. ever since then, I've got Rocky for the Rocky Mountains, Sierra for the Sierra Nevadas, and Denali. So nice, yeah. very cool. Yeah. What part of Japan did you live in? Oh, if anyone knows where it is, I'd be super impressed. But it was called Makurazaki, which is very southern tip of the larger island of Kyushu. Little tiny wow. fishing village. It was for a teaching oh assignment. My gosh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be so cool. And it so was. It sp- was really cool. Do you speak some Japanese? I can. I mean, it's been a long time, but I'm a, I can, you know, order at a restaurant or figure out things at the grocery store. Those survival oh, Japanese, yeah. I guess I say. But yeah, awesome. it was really, really cool experience. Oh, Wow. Jealous. Um, <laughs> I've been to, to Tokyo three times and on two oh, of wow. those trips to Kyoto. So each time I taught myself just enough Japanese to get along, but it's been, when was the last time I was there? 2004. So yeah, 18 years. So yeah, I've, I've forgotten yeah. my Japanese. Yeah. 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 I bet if you went to visit though, you'd be surprised how much would come back to you under yeah. pressure. <laughs> yeah. I'd ha- I would definitely have to brush up, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I'm watching something in Japanese, I recently watched Tokyo Vice on HBO Max. And so, you know, there's some words I can pick out, things like yeah. that, but overall, yeah, no, I yeah. can't really make a sentence. So no. it's sad. But uh, If you put a little practice into it, you'll be good. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> need to plan a trip to go back, but yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, about your background, please, and how you got into instructional design. Yeah. So I guess we kind of started with like my journey in Japan with teaching. So I went to um, Michigan State University and got my um, elementary Uh, certification for teaching. So I dove into, I always knew I'd be a teacher. Um, So that was pretty easy for me to go through that program. And right as I graduated, there was this huge recession and there were no jobs. And so I applied to other countries to teach and I applied to Australia and Japan. Japan got back to me first. So went over there and had my, you know, first teaching experience out there that way. And then came back to the States and I continued to teach. Um, And then it was in 2015, I wanted to get my master's in something uh, that would allow me to leave the classroom if I wanted to. And instructional design is an excellent um, degree for 
educators to have because you can apply so many things that you've been doing. And um, and you just kind of learn the science behind the why of online course creation specifically. It was a lot of e-learning, but also for in-person facilitations like workshops and such. So um, yeah, I got my master's in 2015. And since then, I've been creating different programs. I continue to teach and do instructional design. Um, and currently, I'm in that position right now where I do instructional design work on the side, and I'm still kind of teaching online. Um, and the pandemic really shifted all the teaching that I've done um, onto the online platforms. So I've had a lot of experience in virtual learning and also creating and modifying online courses. So yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today about all of that stuff. Oh, me too. So when the pandemic started and schools had to move online, did was there a way that you helped with that? I mean, so were you teaching at that time and did you consult anyone on helping them move to online schooling? And we didn't talk about this ahead of time, so I have no idea. Yeah, no, it's a good question. So I had my baby in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, um, and actually we were in Sweden at the time. So okay. um, I was, we were moving back because our, our visas were expiring. Mm. And I had a newborn. And so when I came, I notified the school district that I used to work for here in Michigan and let them know, hey, I'm coming back. Are there any jobs? You know, what What do you have for me? And they're like, we need you in online teaching. So um, my district actually has a virtual school. So it was actually really nice for me because um, I was able to to work on these science courses that had a foundation, but I could add to it and make it more engaging. Um, my specialty is middle school science. So um, I just had all of these science kids. There was a huge influx in enrollment because of the pandemic and people not wanting their kids in school. So that was a huge like online learning surge in our area. And I think a lot of virtual schools felt that. Um, also universities and not just, you know, the K through 12 um, world. But um, as far as the, like, if you had, if you're used to in-person trainings, then that had to be a really crazy shift for you to have to take what you were doing and do this more synchronized learning or um, having to just transform your entire programs online. But the, um, one of my clients right now is actually one of those companies that used to do a lot of in-person and the pandemic mm-hmm. totally shifted their model and they are blowing up right now. Like they are wow. re- really, really successful because of this push to online learning because of the ability to scale and the ability to um, just reach so many more people at once um, rather than, you know, going in person and trying to get everybody into one, one wow. meeting. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So how did you shift into entrepreneurship and doing your own thing? And and yeah. are you doing some of both now? You still work a quote day job and work for yourself. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. So um, yeah, I will, I've just been teaching online and then on the side, I take on clients and um there's a couple clients that keep me really, really busy. So I, I'm kind of in that shifting period of seeing what else is out there as far as different people to work with. I'd love to see what it's like to work with individuals and um, entrepreneurs because I know a lot of them are thinking about creating online courses and I could really help support them that way. But right now um, I work with small businesses and startups. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So, so many people, whether it's small businesses or particularly solo entrepreneurs mm-hmm. are creating digital courses and they really seem to be popular today. So why do you think that is? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, the pandemic really shifted a lot of it, but let's put that aside for now because I think 
yeah, that's that's pretty clear that the circumstances have changed. And people who were not really considering online learning were exposed to it either by force or, you know, just by being surrounded by it. So there is this shift in consumers of, you know, seeing the benefits of virtual learning as far as um, not needing to travel, saving costs on um on programs because it's it's a one-to-many model in some circumstances. And just being able to utilize technology and be connected with people all around the world is really enticing for the learner. And um, if we were to kind of switch the pages for the, uh, people developing the online courses, they are realizing that. They're realizing that there is a demand for people who are wanting to... Um, either save time, learn something quickly that, you know, they, they want to, I I want, I don't want to say you want to learn everything quickly, but I would say that the engagement span of is is shortening so much. (laughs) Just thinking about TikTok and like, you know, 15 second videos, you know, that's how much people are getting used to constantly being stimulated by, learning new things, but learning new things very quickly. So um, that's another reason why, you know, people who are experts in something, they might want to create an online course so they can um, easily teach these kinds of whatever their skill set may be. And we can go into the different opportunities for online courses later. But um, yeah, it's just amazing to see how the culture has shifted and then the businesses are shifting to adapt to the new culture. And, um, and it's just the future. It's not just, you know, digital courses, but virtual reality, augmented reality. Um, all of these things, advances in technology are going to change the way that we learn. And mm-hmm. it's, it's accelerating faster than it normally would have without a pandemic. And now that the pandemic has kind of kickstarted all of this, um, it's definitely something that we can no longer ignore. It's just, it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. yeah. When I started a business as a life coach and business coach back in 2010, I was doing teleclasses. So I, I would teach these hour long classes on the phone, no oh, video. Wow. <laughs> And people would come, like I would do some for free and then like upsell into a paid mini course, you know, where it'd be like anywhere from three to six ongoing Mm -hmm. teleclasses was crazy. And people would show up or, you know, if they couldn't be there live, then I would send them the recording. At first, not even posted to my website where they had to go there to listen but send them a recording and then maybe send them a worksheet too. But it was usually Mm -hmm. just the recording. It's amazing how far digital courses have come since then. You know, they, they are so, or can be so sophisticated now. They can, they can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people are um, demanding more from online courses nowadays too. It's yeah. it's no longer so easy to create a simple like PowerPoint and you know upload that to an LMS system, which is a, a short for a learning management system. Mm-hmm. So upload that to a learn LMS system and then you know expect passive income to come to them. Things have right. changed. It's not like that anymore, but. Um, yeah. It's yeah. definitely some opportunity to grow. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then an aside, I'm going to get back to asking you questions, but, <laughs> and to think that, you know, I was doing hour long live telecalls, you know, or teleclasses. And now with a course and community, the Women Podcasters Academy that I've got, I made videos for each lesson but the videos are only about five to seven minutes in length. Mm-hmm. So I really, like you just mentioned, TikTok uh, mm-hmm. attention spans. So yeah. I didn't want to force people to sit there that long to take in content, uh, content that was supplementary to, or complementary, not supplement, complementary to the worksheets and yeah. then live lessons that I'll be teaching in addition to that. So it's like, how can I, 
separate all of this into different components of different lengths so that people get everything they need, but not be overwhelmed by it. You know, right. I can't just say, here's this hour long recording. Now yeah. go sit down and take it all in and take notes at the same time and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. The way that you're doing your program is great because you're not only doing uh, strategies to keep your your material engaging by having things not too long, but you're also reaching out to different kinds of learners. Mm-hmm. You know, people who they learn audit like through auditorial, uh, yeah, through audio yeah. is you know they're getting that the visuals with the videos and then the mm-hmm. the people who like to write it out with the worksheets and people who just need to talk it out with a community I, all of these yeah. different things that you do to break up your content is so important for not just engagement but also to um, make your your program more accessible to more mm-hmm. people so yeah. it's really great that you're doing that keep awesome. it up <laughs> thank you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Not always easy to figure out uh, Mm -hmm. what you're going to do. Yeah. So are there particular kinds of businesses, you know, types of businesses that are better suited to creating a digital course? Yeah. um, So the idea behind a digital course or the main idea should be to make a difference or to have some kind of transformation. And in if you're listening to this, just try and think about in your services or your products, if you are trying to transform your customers in some way. And if you are, then there is an opportunity to kind of pull that experience, that transformation and create um, an online course or some kind of program online that gets them from where they are to that transformation at the end. So it totally depends. If we were to take my situation, for example, I have a service of creating online courses for others. Now, my clients do not want an online course on how to create an online course. That's not what they're paying for. They're paying to save time and they want me to do the work and then they can, you know, go on to the other things that are important to them. So in that situation, I wouldn't need an online course. But if I wanted to, let's say, teach, if I wanted to help an entrepreneur, you know, transform them to be more confident in creating their online course or help them with some kind of uh, curriculum and development, then I would have a reason to have a step-by-step program to get them from where they are to where they want to be. Um, I have two examples also I'll share. I won't share the names of the companies, but just my own personal experience, they were entrepreneurial training programs. And one was a membership where you got all these different materials that you could use. And <clears throat> another program had had more of a had a similar idea, but they had this onboarding sequence of getting, meeting you where you are at in your entrepreneurial journey. And then they would kind of create a foundation for you to then apply the skills that you were learning. Mm -hmm. That program was a lot more uh, successful than a program where they had a lot of amazing products that entrepreneurs could use, but there was no starting line. There was no no organization as to where do I start? What do I need to do first? And so if you sell products um, or services that that involve some kind of teaching behind it, that's I mean, that's also an opportunity for for some e-learning. But just meeting your learners where they're at is the number one thing. And if you are providing a transformation, then there's an opportunity for you to create a program to help them go from A to B. And then to, we can talk about starting an online course later, but that just kind of sets the foundation of the importance of thinking about the end in mind when it comes to creating your learning objectives and, and the journey that you want them to go through. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's okay. great. Great. So something that's transformation-based where you have a starting point and a an end point or the transformational point. I mean, there is, yes, there's rarely an ending. Right. Yeah. I mean, because even in Women Podcasters Academy, 
once you have your podcast out there, that's not the end. You know, mm-hmm. you you can get ongoing support in running and growing the podcast yeah. and eventually monetizing and, and all of that, you know. Right. But yes. <clears throat> yeah. The so the big transformation is getting it out there. Right, right. And that depends on the program. So mm-hmm. what the pro the the goal of objective of that program would be to have that podcaster, you know, by the end of this program, you will uh, launch your first episode, for example. You know, so then the journey is like where they're at now with very little prior knowledge and you need to build up their confidence, build up their knowledge base to take the action, to apply what they've learned, to then create something Mm -hmm. um, is all a part of that journey. But then you do want to have that reflection point of, okay, I have, this is where I've started. This is where I am. And then you can have another program or another course or another situation where you take the next step and, and breaking those membership. up. Oh yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 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 So it's an ongoing thing, but it doesn't, mm-hmm. you, you can still have endpoints in the journey checkpoints, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. So with all of this content that a company or a solo entrepreneur may have, do you see them really struggling to transform, transform, huh? To turn <laughs> it into a digital course, you know, to take all of that content and then really organize it into a workable format. Yeah, that's something I do a lot of. And it's something that I've personally experienced as well in trying to create programs where I'm not throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the learner. Um, And that is, it's a huge thing to do. And that's where um, talking with somebody like me, like an instructional designer is really helpful because they can kind of help filter out all the noise. So Mm. in general, you want to think about what is the main purpose of the program. And you need to write this out. You need to have it just at the top of your paper or at top of your document on your computer screen of just, this is where I want them to go. And then you need to think about what do they need to know in order to get there. And it can be very easy, especially when you're passionate about something, to keep going and to keep going and to keep going, right? So I also like to put a time limit. I like to think about how long do I want, you know, how long would they stay, have a pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. For me, for a webinar or some kind of training program, I love the hour because there's so much you can do in an hour and it can go by really fast. So I like to break my uh, content down into different hours. And then from there, I can actually think about, well, five minutes for this activity, 10 minutes for that activity, and then try and block out different time lengths. When you have all of the content that you want to give, and then you actually try to think about how to fit it into that time, that's going to kind of help you be like, okay, what doesn't match up to the objective, the overall objective? And if everything applies to the objective, then you're going to need to break up that big objective into smaller ones and have maybe multiple courses or multiple programs because it will be too much to try and fit into one activity, into one thing. And that's where you're going to also lose people too. If you have a course that's too long, I've talked with people who have created like amazing, really long courses and they spent hours and days and a lot of money trying to create this, but they, they didn't validate. They didn't talk to the learners. They didn't talk to anybody about what were their pain points? What do they need? What are they looking for? And that's one of the first steps in instructional design is this empathize phase and this and this um, analysis phase. I actually have, uh, I won't show, show it now, but um, the first phase is just really getting to understand the learners and where they're at and, and what do they need to get to where you, they want to go. And when you focus on that, then that's going to really clarify um, what should be in or out of your program. And that's also another reason, like a fun statistic, about 3 to 17% of people finish their online courses. 
That's wow. it. Wow. That yeah. is so little. It is so little. And there's a couple of reasons behind that. It doesn't mean that the program was bad. It just could mean that they got what they came for. They, there was a certain objective in their head that they wanted to learn, wanted to figure out. And then when they went through your program, you, they filled it. They had that transformation. So they don't need to stay there for the whole time. And a lot of times they leave because of that. And then another big, you know, the more obvious reason is that there's just too much and it's too overwhelming and um, maybe it wasn't engaging enough. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the finish rate is extremely low with, and you're just working with people's attention spans too. So you gotta be, gotta be on your feet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. People really do want instant gratification. They do. And in a digital course, it, it's not going to be instant you know, or they could take a single webinar and Mm -hmm. we could charge for a single webinar that will give instant gratification. That's going to be very tight and, you know, be on just very one, uh, one very small topic. You know, we can do that, but that's not a digital course. That's a one-off class Mm -hmm. in a course though. If, if it's going to take months to teach, people just aren't going to want that. I mean, from our perspective, am I right? You know, is that going to be too long in, in most cases? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think guess I'd... it depends on the creator and the topic. But, you know, I'm thinking about solo entrepreneurs, even if you're creating a course around building a business, nobody wants that to take months. You know, yeah. we want to get up and running right now. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to take some college length course. You know, Mm -hmm. we want, we want to get moving immediately. Entrepreneurs are 10, not all, but tend to be action takers. Right. You know, and they, and they are not patient. I know like from my, from myself, I am not patient at all. I need to know, you know, I need to get things done. So, but I want to kind of, uh, re, I want to paint a different picture for online courses um, because it totally depends on the situation and the learner and the content because you could have a very small online course and it can be just as, as effective as a month-long course. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on... It just depends on your situation and some, if you need, you know, if there's only way to get from somebody from A to B and their transformation is to do this month process, um, then, then you can do that and you can do the drip sequence where you really want people to take the time and efforts in that one module and before they're just given the next thing, you know? So there are different strategies for that longer term content, but I wouldn't limit the definition of online courses to something that is long because online Mm -hmm. courses um, can be mini and can be short as well. True. So, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay. I thought I had something else there, but I've forgotten. Oh, well, no yeah, you answered that. That was great. Yeah. Just so, and it is hard to generalize because mm-hmm. there are so many varieties. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think when, when I am thinking of months long, I'm envisioning, you know, like five, six months. Yeah. And, and for me, like a couple of months is fine. You know, six to eight weeks feels like something I would be willing to do, but you know, even like three months, you know, 12 weeks to me feels a bit long because yeah. I am way too impatient for that. Again, depending on the topic or whatever, you know, if it were like nutrition or fitness based, okay, totally understandable. You know, that mm-hmm. takes time. Business based, meh, I want to move at my own pace. I want, I want to go a little bit faster than yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. And I think so. it depends too on how, like, if you have a longer course, how you are making it engaging for the learner. Maybe there is this community aspect where everybody's learning mm-hmm. together and they're being held accountable. Yeah. Or maybe there are actual action steps that they need to take. And it does take some time to create those things before they take action. So it, it, again, like everybody is different, um, but I would say generally more than four months or six months in today's world is a mm-hmm. bit long. 
um, you want to try and aim for something that can be done. Um, it's, yeah, I don't want to put a yeah, time frame, uh, yeah, but yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And, and we should listen to our audience or our, our ideal client for yes. the course. Absolutely. Yeah. Try to That's get where it all that. starts. That's where it all yeah. should start. Um, yeah, you don't want to just create a course because you're passionate about something. Mm -hmm. I know people probably don't want to hear that, but you want to create a course. If you want to create a course that's going to sell, I can say that you can create a course on anything you want. Most people uh, that are listening to this podcast want to create a course because they're looking for an additional revenue stream somewhere to bring in, um, some just additional, I wouldn't say it's passive income because there's a lot that goes into a course creation, course creation that involves not just creating the course, but marketing the course and continuing to get people to, to buy it. But you can create evergreen courses and yeah, you can you go to, go to bed and you can get a notification the next day that someone signed up for your evergreen, evergreen course. And that's great, but you've put in a lot of work <laughs> to, to do. To and get you there. do still have to promote it. I mean, you could yes. set meet Edgar, Hootsuite, HubSpot, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever your social media, scheduler is, you know, promote this every Thursday or, you know, whatever day or a few days yeah. a week you schedule, but still, you know, you do have to do something. Yeah. You can't. Just and I, there. I also find that, um, the, and a good reason to also create an online course is if you have, if you're providing some kind of service and you need people to be at a certain level before they can um, be before you can help them. That's also a great way to think about it too. They're still mm -hmm. going through a transformation, but they need something to help get them to where you are. So for example, um, I've done a lot of social impact work with the UN global goals, but not many people know about the UN global goals. So what I need to do in order to, I was creating teaching products for it. So part of my, um, one of the things I just did for fun was I created an online course to learn about the UN global goals and how to start a change maker club at your school. And wow. so that was just like build a foundation of people who are learning about this. And then I can come to them and say like, Hey, if you want more resources on this topic, here's where you can find them. Because uh, a lot of people have um, expertise in problems where people don't feel the immediate problem. Like they don't know it's a problem until they're told they it's a problem. Mm -hmm. So there's an extra step in uh, educating people on your skill set. So people might not know what you can provide them, but if you create an online course that educates them on, on the fact that they could really use something like you um, or your products, then that's also something to think about. So in that case, I'm thinking marketing wise here. Mm -hmm. Would someone create a mini course that would be free as a yeah, you can do tool? that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I have, um, I can talk about mini courses later. I have a special promo for the listeners here, but mm. the, um, an online course, you can charge for it or you can use it as a lead magnet. You can use it as, um, you can, there's so many different ways that you can use a mini course. Um, mm. And that can absolutely be one, mm -hmm. one thing. You can give it away for free if you want. A mini course can take less than a week to create. Um, it really doesn't take much time. And it's also one of my favorite ways to validate. That's why I, have, I've, I haven't created so many large courses on my own for my own like services because I would create mini programs and then it's validated of like, okay, I shouldn't go in this direction. I need to go in that direction. And I've saved myself so much time mm -hmm. and energy and just money in general. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's great. great way to validate your big course idea is to create a little tiny sample of what they would experience and see how it's taken. And then another thing I also recommend is try to design as you, um, with a small group of prototypers um, and you can design your courses and programs by working with people and just be transparent. Say, Hey, I'm going to create a larger course on this. You can offer it at a discount. Um, but, but building with that kind of feedback all puts the learner at the center, which is what you need to do every time you're creating something is putting I say learner, but like for entrepreneurs, it's customer or your ideal customer avatar. Right. But yeah, um, 
you just got to keep them at the center of focus and you have to think constantly about what they want, what they need and be listening to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That's great. Yeah. All right. So we've sort of jumped into some tips or suggestions. So do you want to go yeah. on from there or do you have some, some tips and teachings yeah. that you can give us? Yeah. Yeah. I can, um, I'll dive into Bloom's taxonomy for a little bit and nerd out on objectives because awesome. that is the first thing you need to start with, with creating an online course is you need to think about, um, what, what is the main thing that they are going to get from it, right? And mm -hmm. you need to be able to articulate that in a sentence. And then as you're building material, you want to make sure that it's building off of each other and that by the time they reach the end of your program, they can confidently say, yes, I have reached the overall course objective. So I have a fun little uh, diagram that I can share here. I'll try Great. to. Okay. Nice. So, um, yeah, this is great. So here we have Bloom's taxonomy. And uh, in summary, this is a system that educators use to, to create their program so that they aren't jumping too far ahead or they're not staying too basic in the content that they're teaching. And so it's all, it's, it's basically you can't, apply your learning if you can't remember what you learned. So, and you can't really understand what you're learning without remembering before. So these kind of build on each other as you go up this pyramid. And most times the diagrams show like an actual pyramid, but I like this because creating, evaluating, and analyzing, um, they are very similar to like reaching the top there. So for listeners who aren't looking at the video... This yes. is an upside down triangle. Remembering is at the bottom. Understanding is just above. Applying above that. And at the very top, which is the biggest section, are creating, evaluating, and analyzing. Yes. Thank you. I'm forgetting sometimes that we're on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, here's what I suggest um, that any people who anybody who wants to create a course, they start here and they they think about all of the content that they want to provide or all the content that they think will need to, they will need to reach the main learning objective. They want to start with the remembering. Like what what are the basic things? Is there any vocabulary that needs to be clarified? Um, is there any uh, previous knowledge or context that they can recall to start off with your topic? Um, I'm just, I'll just say like, for example, creating a podcast. So one of the things that you can do in the remembering stage is to define what a podcast actually is, what does it constitute as, ask them to recall, <clears throat> recall when the last time they've listened to an audio or if they've been on clubhouse or if they've listened to podcasts before. So just, this is kind of building that foundation of like engaging and, and having them have a very clear understanding of where they're starting. And then you can start to uh, get more and more complicated in your content as let's say you have a course and you have four modules. So in module one, you can give that foundational knowledge of um, foundational verbs. So for people who can't see it, remembering has these verbs like list or find or name or identify or locate, describe or memorize. These are very low level uh, uses of the brain. As you get up in the creating and evaluating and analyzing stages, you are using more critical thinking skills. Your brain is, is working harder to, to get there and it's using more yeah, signals. So as you go up to the next phase, understanding, now we're having people having to summarize or paraphrase. So they're taking what they've learned and they are trying to put it in their own words. A lot of times... Um, instructors will do this when you ask them a question and then you hear their answers and then, or you say something and you ask them to say it back to you. That's an mm -hmm. excellent way for people to process the information and engage with what you're learning because they have to, they have to engage their brains a bit more there. That makes sense. And then, um, for applying, using a diagram, making a chart or drawing or solving a problem, those are great ways 
to bring in some activities into your courses? Can you think of a way where people need to create a diagram? Can you create a diagram for them that they fill out so that they are taking the information and they're, they're sorting it? Um, can you think of a fun problem for them to solve? See if they can take what they've learned and, and solve a problem behind it. Um, for the creating, evaluating, and analyzing, all of the, the verbs that go along with this one, I can send the picture for people who want to take a listen or to see it. Um, but there's a whole list also of digital verbs for coming up with ideas for each lesson um, that allow you to, to differentiate and make your stuff more fun, <laughs> I guess is a simple way. But as you get to the top, um, creating is technically the most like on is the highest level on most of these diagrams that you'll see. And this in situation of the podcast would be like, they actually build and create their own podcast. They have taken what they've learned and they are actually creating something from it. Um, in other situations where, um, they're being asked to maybe organize information or compare and contrast between different programs. Like let's say they're at the stage of learning how to create a podcast and they need to pick a program to record. You know, one of the things that they could do is actually compare uh, different types of platforms where you can record a podcast. And all of that, all of those different kinds of uh, activities are just having them continuously bring the information back and apply it. And that's what you constantly want to do. And that's what separates a, a good program from a bad program when it yeah. comes to e-learning. Because some people, they don't think about building on each other. And mm -hmm. um, and then the journey just gets confusing for learners. Mm -hmm. And we don't want them to feel confused because then they disengage and they leave. So this way, it builds the confidence in a really nice pattern, uh, not pattern, but it builds the confidence in a really nice pace so that they feel motivated and excited for the next challenge. If you start too high at a challenge, that's when you can lose a lot of people and they just get confused and frustrated. So I wanted to kind of nerd out on that for a little bit, even on, um, on Thinktific, you know, they have a bunch of blogs about learning instructional design documents and they mentioned Bloom's Taxonomy, any design. Um, yeah, I've been in a couple different interviews also for instructional design and Bloom's mm -hmm. Taxonomy is always brought up. So it's really it's really something that people should should know about um, that isn't talked about too often. So that's great. Thank now, you. Now your that. listeners yeah. know. <laughs> yep. Nerdy, but very cool. I know. I know. But awesome. it's so helpful. And just hearing, mm -hmm. seeing those verbs will help you think of ideas for your own course and help mm -hmm. it stand out from all of the millions and billions of courses out in the world today. So yeah. definitely That's worth great. taking a look. So I love what you said at the beginning of that about figuring out the course objectives because I think as entrepreneurs, we focus so often on our own goals, like what is the goal of this course as it fits into my business? You know, I want it to make X amount of money. I want it to attract X number of learners. I want it to increase my number of followers. I want it to increase my list by blah, blah, blah number on and on and on. But none of that's going to happen if we don't first focus on the objectives of the course as they pertain to the learners. Yes, absolutely. Well said. So you cannot have all of those things that you really maybe really want uh, in quotes, um, like that extra income and, you know, being able to impact a lot of people. And um, yeah, all of those reasons you just said, because mm -hmm. you need to start with the learners first. And if you do that and you create a course objective that puts the learner at the center, then you have set a strong foundation for a successful course because nobody's going to buy it or be following you or be listening to you if you're not speaking to them and their needs. And um, very well said. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. sense. And And it may be easy to forget, even though it should be sort of obvious, you know, why am I creating this course or who's it for? You know, I, I teach with anything 
remember your ideal client, or in this case, your ideal learner, and your Mm -hmm. niche would be what you do, whom you do it for, and how you do it differently. So you can throw, it seems like, not the expert here on digital courses, but seems like you would throw that in as well. You know, so what you do can translate to what's the objective of the course, who, whom you do it for, that's your ideal learner and how you do it differently. You know, you figure out what makes it different from other courses out there. So, right. Right. Exactly. Together. Cool. It does. It does. And sometimes it's really hard uh, to, to really narrow down what's in your head and getting it out without being overwhelming. Um, We kind of touched on that earlier in the conversation. Um, So my biggest tip would be to definitely be talking with people and asking them like, where have their, what struggles have they felt? Or could you give me um, an idea of, or a summary of like your ideal course about this topic? You know, what would make you, uh, you know, say, yes, this is what I need. And the more you talk with people, the better, the more accurate you're going to um, be reaching those objectives or creating those objectives. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, Okay. So I see some entrepreneurs really hesitating to do digital courses because of imposter syndrome. They don't feel like they're good enough or different enough, or they feel like they're behind because, you know, there's similar courses out there that have been around longer and are really successful. What would you say to entrepreneurs who are feeling that way? Yeah, it's really, it's, it's tough um, because you have, you have this passion and you want to get it out there. Um, and then you do, you see people who are, have been doing it for much longer or way more developed and you're thinking what, why even try? But um, the, the main thing I want people to hear is that you have your own unique take on everything. And the more that you talk with people or the more that you actually create mini courses and, and practice speaking to people about your topic, that is going to start to build your confidence. It's, it's going to make you feel more competent and build your confidence. And I think the first thing I would recommend is just to practice go on some podcast interviews and just talk about your expertise. Um, You can try to do a free webinar. You can start small, um, but a mini course, for example, is a great way to start small because it doesn't take a lot of time. And then you've got something where you can just kind of test and play with it and you can continue to adapt it. Um, But my point is that Everybody is different. Everybody has their own take on things. So there is something inside of you that is going to spark some kind of amazing program if you if you harness it, right? So the way you can do that is to simply just start acting upon what you what you know. So do it, creating those opportunities for yourself. Eventually, you may start pretty broad. Let's stick with the podcast example for just for this episode. So let's say you want to teach people about creating a podcast um, because, you know, that's just something that you're an expert in. And you see all of these other programs about starting a podcast. And you're like, these have millions of followers. There's no way. But the more that you talk with people about it, the more you realize that you actually have some passions inside that are different from others. So maybe you want to work with a specific type of podcaster. Maybe you connect. I'm going to go back to my United Nations Global Goals example, because maybe there's people out there that are passionate about social impact and they want to create a podcast for social impact. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the more that you start to narrow down your expertise into certain topics that you are knowledgeable in, you may start to realize that you can stand out in a niche <laughs> that you know d- maybe didn't even exist before. 
Um, there are some podcast shows that are just so popular and they are so narrow in their niche that it's just humorous to me. But um, there is somebody out there like you that will love to hear what you have to say. And so you just need to you need to practice and you need to find your special spark. And when you do that, then it's going to make things a lot more clear for you. And sometimes it just takes trial and error. I've gone through that for the past five months of trying to figure things out and it gets clearer and clearer every day, but it's still, you know, you don't know until you take action. So yes. gotta take action. That's great. Yeah. And you're right. That's the bottom line, taking action as, mm -hmm. as tough as it can be at times. Yeah. Yeah. Nike, Nike get it, gets it right quite often. Just do it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if you wait till you feel ready it's never going to happen. No, it's not. It's not. You just got to dive in and, and you, and there are ways to go about it that is safer than others. You yes. know, a lot of times it's very easy to be in your own head and think about this amazing program and it's going to have this, 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 and you spend years creating it, you know, and <laughs> When you could have done but, the mini course, you could have when done you the could have just, webinar. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And people, yeah, yeah, people get sucked you into can, that perfectionism. Yes. You can wade in. You can, yes. you can step down the steps of the swimming pool. So mm -hmm. yeah, you don't have to totally dive in with a massive digital course, mm -hmm. but you do have to take action. You do have to take those steps. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Imposter syndrome doesn't magically go away. No, no, but it does go, it does get smaller the more times that you take action. So yeah. just got to keep doing it. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. great. So what have I not asked you that you want to tell us about with digital course creation or strategy or? Uh, I would say one thing we didn't talk about was technology. I think oh, that trips a gosh. lot of people up. Yes, thank <laughs> you. Oh my gosh. See, I yeah, I did look around a lot for where I was going to host the Women Podcasters Academy. There were several things that I was very peculiar about. Yes. But other, like the technology doesn't scare me like it does a lot of other people. So thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Yeah. I think that's that was a very popular. Um, a lot of questions are asked for me on what platform do I use, and nobody's going to like this answer. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you just need to pick one, and you need to just follow through and stick with it for the however long you need to validate your idea. You can always gosh the amount of times I paid for like a premium email subscription, pro like, because <laughs> I was like, well, maybe someday I will need all of these features. And then it's like, you know what, just, just start where you're at and yeah. you just need to pick one. Yeah. There are, it doesn't matter if you do like Thinktific or, um, or Teachable or Udemy, like you can do a platform where, uh, people have access to the different courses. So yeah, your exposure gets out, but I don't know how much of a cut they take. And, but at, at this stage, if you're just in the idea stage, stage, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What is more important is to validate your idea. And once you have a solid idea that you can build upon, then you can take a little bit more time and realize, well, I didn't like these features about Udemy. So I'm going to try a different platform. Mm -hmm. You can also makeshift your own courses. You can use Google Forms or Google Slides and and mess with those to make it seem like an online course experience. You can add pages to your website yes. where it's like a members only area and they go through different stages on your website. You can have a interactive PDF that acts as a mini course. You I mean like there are so many different ways to to create your course that you don't, it just doesn't matter. You just need to pick one and go with it and, and play with that for a certain amount of time that yeah. it just, as long as it takes. So it doesn't matter so much the technology. If you're spending like hours trying to figure out 
between two programs, that's a lot of time wasted. So just pick one and just work with it. Or if you're trying to convince yourself to spend all that money on the big platform out there that's expensive, you don't have to go that route. Yeah. There are others out there. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. if you are planning a community, then you need to pick one that has a built-in community. But if you don't want that, then you can start with a Facebook group, a private Facebook group. Exactly. I know. And, and those features will always, they could either be added later with the, whoever you pick, but, um, you can always rig what you want when you need it. But the point of that is you are testing, you are figuring things out. And if you realize that this online community is like a core feature, then you can always migrate and you will be migrating when it's smaller and you're not, you know, you'll be making those decisions before it's too late. So don't stress about it. Just, uh, just have fun and, and dive in. Yeah. In the weeks before I launched, I tried two different platforms, uh, free trials, two different platforms. And one I could tell, I just immediately didn't like, I did not like the user interface at all. And Mm -hmm. it didn't look like I could upload PDFs. Like Mm -hmm. everything else was very cool. How you could upload stuff. I didn't find a way to upload PDFs and that was essential because my worksheets. Mm-hmm. I tried another one and there was one feature that they just didn't offer. I'm like, that's a deal breaker for me. So mm-hmm. I found the site I'm on now, the platform I'm on now, and I am loving it. Yeah. 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 It's not the biggie because the biggie doesn't have a built-in community and I didn't want to do it on Facebook. So yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it. It just takes just take some playing around and you got to take those action steps that we talked about earlier and things will become more clear of what you want. Um, But don't let the technology hold you up as my main point. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you won't know if you like it until you actually try it. And they all tend to have free trials. I think I read that one of them, there's not a free trial, but it's like, a small amount for a seven day trial, seven days for or seven dollars for seven days, something like that. I forget which one, but yeah, you have to get in and play around to mm-hmm. see if you're going to like it. If you like the user interface, look at it from the perspective of one of your learners and see if, if you'll like how they view it. And that's a big one, yeah. actually, that, um, once you are a bit more committed to whatever platform you want, to have to get some user feedback is really important um, on the user experience and seeing like, how did this flow for you? Did it make sense? Were the buttons in the right location? Mm-hmm. Was there anything confusing about where to find the resources? Because all of those things will um, accumulate for your learners and make them frustrated and not mm-hmm. finish their courses. So user feedback, once you start testing out, is something you should constantly be getting um, as you develop. Yeah. Very true. All right. So this is great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah, you for, thanks for having the technology me. At the end. I can't believe I didn't think of that. My goodness. Oh, uh, no. I mean, oh. I, my answer wasn't anything uh, amazing. <laughs> Probably no, more frustrating but it, than. <laughs> but it was because people want a definitive answer. Mm -hmm. They want you to give them like two, no more than three options of the best platforms out there. And then they'll pick, okay, I can pick this one or this one. Mandy said so. (laughs) I know. And, and I would be doing them a disservice though, because what they need at their time with their content, with their ideas, it could not, maybe those two, what A and B, they need the letter E, <laughs> you know, yes. so it just depends, exactly. but that's yeah. where you just talk to somebody, talk with somebody who knows, you know, if there are, if they are confused about program, they can send me a message on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to give my, my opinion on where they should go awesome. based on their circumstance. So cool. Yeah. If Thank they're in that spot, that. they can always reach out to me. <laughs> cool. Well, I will share your LinkedIn uh, link in the mm-hmm. show notes and on this episode's page on my website, along with some other social media links and the link to your website, which is instructionaldesigninnovated.com. And you've got something to share with listeners, don't you? 
Yes, thank you for for the opportunity. It's been great. Um, I have on my website a free mini course outline that uh, your listeners can download. So if they are thinking about creating an online course or a mini course, they're not really sure where to start. I have a nice little freebie for them there on the website. And if they decide that a mini course is right for them and they want more information or maybe just more guidance on how to create it, and they want somebody with them along the journey, then your listeners can get uh, 15% off my compass package, which is where I guide them to create their mini course in less than a week. So it's something that, uh, that is special for them. And they can find that at instructionaldesigninnovated.com forward slash podcast. But the freebie is there if they are interested to explore. And I have some other kind of bonus content in the freebie for them too. So I hope they go and check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's really generous. So I will have that link in the show notes and on my website as well. So yeah, that would be great. That sounds really fabulous. Great. (laughs) Awesome. So thank you again for being here. This was really great. You gave so many good tips and insight into digital course creation. And I certainly appreciate it. And I know my listeners will as well. I'm happy to be here. And thank you so much for the opportunity and have them reach out to me if they have any questions. I'm, I'm happy to answer them. Absolutely. So again, I'll share social media links in the show notes and on my website and on the episode page on my website. And um, yeah, so I would love it if y'all would leave a positive review and subscribe. And you can leave comments on this episode's page on my website, link in the show notes. And I'll be back in a few days. So see you then on the Marketing Chat Podcast.